Welcome back to A People's History of the Old Republic. Last time we talked about the Golden Age of the Sith, the reign of Marco Ragnos, and we began the Tales of the Jedi. This time, we return to the first Star Wars prequel, talk about the Great Hyperspace War, and discuss the art in Chancellor Palpatine's office. I'm Luke, this is Kelsey, and there's always a little bit of truth in legends. We want to begin this week with a correction. Last episode, we failed to note an important event from the Golden Age of the Sith that must be rectified. During the funeral of Marco Ragnos and prior to the arrival of the Daragons on Korriban, Ludo Kresh and Naga Sadao began a fierce duel to determine who would become the new Dark Lord. Now, at this time, the Sith, at this time in the writing, the Sith were not using lightsabers. They used Sith swords that were imbued with the Force like the Jedi had used long ago. They had not developed lightsaber technology. Eh, this was later made fuzzy, retcon sort of, but we'll get there. However, the two were interrupted by the spirit of Ragnos, recently returned from the netherworld of the Force, to proclaim that only the most worthy leader of the two would succeed him, and to expound on the proud history and the unknown future of the Sith. I guess everybody needs a history lesson now and then. However, before either Sadao or Kresh could emerge victorious, the Daragons arrived on Korriban, setting the stage for Naga Sadao to mount his attack on the Old Republic. Because we value journalistic integrity and delightful Star Wars nonsense like this, we regret the episode. We regret the oversight from episode three. Neat. And you want to um, thanks to Leo for submitting our first listener question. Leo emailed about our comments in episode three, rather about whether the Red Sith species would return to canon. Leo writes, "I'm really enjoying the show so far and can't get over how many of these stories I know and love." I write fanfic myself that tries to bring the legends of the old EU and make them fit into the Disney new canon, so this show is right up my alley. I wanted to respond to something you said at the beginning of episode 3. You were talking about the Sith and the Redskin and wondered if they made Darth Maul with them in mind. I don't know if you guys knew or realized this, but the Zabrak race, the race that Maul hails from, is actually a Xeno species specifically designed by the Rakata using the old Sith race as a building block. So the resemblance is definitely on purpose. Which, awesome. So, a couple items to note here. First, we want to thank Leo for pointing that out. That's delightful, and we're glad you're enjoying the show. Um, second, this is something we could have, should have stated more clearly in, episode, in our first episode. Um, though the Old Republic MMORPG is still producing content via expansion packs and other endgame content like Knights of the Eternal Throne, which was uh, released in December 2016. We'll get to more on that later. Um, but it's not considered canon. The Old Republic is not canon right now. There's a weird hierarchy of canon. Um, but the Old Republic uh, online is running simultaneously with the new Disney canon, but it is not part of it. Um, and is still considered to be part of the Legends continuity. There have been no firm dates as to when the uh, MMO will officially end, but it's likely to occur before Disney and Lucas move into uh, the Old Republic for likely for legal and intellectual property reasons, um, and that's that's our speculation. Um, but 
they are certainly, Disney and Lucas are certainly very conscious about intellectual property rules and who gets claims to what. Um, and so Bioware has stated that they have considered ending the content and shuttering uh, the MMO, though Kotaku also reported those decisions were still up in the air as of January 2018. Um, and Maul was created in uh, 1999 for The Phantom Menace, um, whereas the information we're talking about is introduced um, for the Old Republic MMO, which is in 2012 at the earliest. Um, so that's that's the nitty-gritty real world spilling back into that connection. Um, but the reason we're all here, right, is there's these Star Wars species genetics cast. There's a so Maul was born Dathomirian. Dathomirians were subspecies of Zabrax, the result of breeding between Zabrak females who ruled Dathomir, the night sisters like Mother Talzin, and Zabrak males who lived there, the knight brothers. Don't think about the names too much. Both canon and legends consider the Dathomirian a subspecies of Zabrak because of uh, Clone Wars episodes featuring Mother Talzin, Ventress, Savage, and Maul. But Leo is absolutely right about the legend origination of the Zabrak as framed and portrayed in the Old Republic uh, MMO. We'll dive deeper later, but the short line up front, the Rakata built an AI capable of air quotes, you're, you're listening to me do air quotes, force-sensitive species in an attempt to fix their failing connection to the force. This mother machine, that's the air quotes again, created the Twilel, Zabrak, and other species, which were seeded to various systems and appear to have been, quote, built off the, quote, red Sith in some manner. So this is Legends material, um, but it's interesting background, and uh, it may spill over into canon. It's already spilled from Legends Legends to Legends MMO, and now we will see what Disney does with this. So I thank you again for writing on this, Leo. Yes, thank you very much, Leo. We really appreciate it, and uh, we we look forward to more uh, questions and uh, and input in the future. Um, so now we've got uh, we've got the Disney canon, we've got the uh, Old Republic MMO still moving along side by side, um, and uh, and then we've got uh, this podcast which explores all of the Old Republic, not just the Old Republic MMO. So you know just just trying to muddy the waters of the English language even further. But back to the main story, picking up where we left off with the tales of the Jedi, the fall of the Sith empire. Uh, We are in 5,000 BBY. Uh, Naga Sadao has just taken his Sith meditation sphere to Primus Galud, the red super giant that, uh, Jory and Gav Daragon discovered uh, earlier in their story. And now he has sent his other minions, including, uh, including Gav uh, out to attack the Republic. Meanwhile, Jory, who, if you remember from the golden age of the Sith fled the Sith empire, uh, essentially under duress, uh, arrives back at Koros Major, intending to warn Empress Tita of the impending Im- invasion, but is imp- but is apprehended by the authorities and is tried in a in a war crimes tribunal, literally, um, and, and it's a kangaroo court. They 
she's there for five minutes. They pronounce her guilty for her crimes against Arba the Hut. Uh, because you see, Arba is not a regular Hut. He's not a not a gangster. No. This Hut files appropriate liens and court filings on their property and makes sure that the court and the legal system works everything out in their favor. Jory is then sentenced to hard labor on Kirik and is expected to die because the sentence is effectively a death sentence. Uh, after she lands there and endures the conditions for a few days, she seizes the opportunity to take a ship that is not being watched and nearly crashes it in, into Empress Tita's palace before scaling the walls and or, and warning the Empress and Odin Ur of the impending Sith invasion. Uh, Mehmet Nadil, uh, Empress Tita's uh, other Jedi watchman, had stayed back at Coruscant to attempt to rally support f- uh, from the Jedi and the Republic because he believed in Odin Ur's vision. While Odin Ur, or while Jory was there, uh, warning, uh, warning Empress Tita, Odin Ur gave her a lightsaber to defend herself. At this time, the Jedi did have lightsabers, but they, if you remember the pictures, they were the lightsabers that were attached to a power pack on the belt. So there would have been a cable that, uh, that went to a power pack. And when it ran out of energy or the cable got cut, the lightsaber went out. So that was, uh, another iteration in the old, uh, EU evolution of the lightsaber. Despite Tita mustering her forces due to Jory's warning, um, Gav successfully creates a beachhead on Koros and then is then proclaimed the liberator by Naga Sadao. However, Gav, Gav is grief-stricken and wants to see Jory, so he lands at Arba's shipyard with his with his uh, Masasi? I, I won't get that name wrong, um, but it's the Red Sith warrior cast who um, at this time, we're almost entirely loyal to Naga Sadao. And so they're bodyguards, um, special bodyguards loyal to Naga Sadao. Encountering the Hut, whom Gav's bodyguards believe to be a threat, Arba is murdered despite Gav's pleas. He's actually just a harmless Hut, really, despite his manipulation of the legal system. Jory sees the aftermath of this and fears Gav has turned to the dark side and attempts to strike him down. Gav flees and is heartbroken by this confrontation. And the and, and let's let's just uh, let's just make one thing clear. Uh, you know, all of these words are are <laughs> are made up, um, and uh, so yeah, they're uh, just per- <laughs> they're just pronounced however however they're pronounced. Um, you know, uh, you know, every once in a while you'll see someone or you'll hear someone joke. You know, they'll be like, "Oh, it's it's Twi'lek or Twi'lek," um, but you know, in the Clone Wars. Uh, Anakin and Obi-Wan pronounce those two words differently. So, um, yeah, I don't know. There you go. That's my appeal to a higher Star Wars authority. If you're worried that I'm being too pedantic, you're listening to a Star Wars podcast about the Old Republic. So I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) (laughs) On Coruscant, Sadal's other lieutenant, Shard Khan, leads his forces to the legislative district. Despite Nadal... 
despite Mehmet Nadil uh, rallying support, the Sith arrived earlier than expected and rout the Republic Navy. Uh, the Sith began wholesale slaughter of Coruscant as they ravaged districts. Uh, despite Jedi intervention, the Jedi and the Republic fear all is lost. And at this point, um, as we uh, discussed a little last week, uh, Sadal is using, in addition to the the forces that he has, which are small but you know not insignificant, he has um, his Sith meditation sphere, which he's using to make his his navy look ten times larger. And that and that's just a number that I'm coming up with. His uh, his ground forces look ten times larger, and um, it's allowing them to route the. Um, uh, the the Republic and Jedi forces, not not to mention that they're just uh, they're killing civilians left and right, and and uh, and Coruscant is is in flames. They have they have no idea w- what to do or how to handle this in any way because they are just the they've they they got word that an attack was coming and it came within minutes instead of hours or days as they had expected. Gav, realizing that he has been besieged by Sadao, um, induces the Koros fleet to follow him, and they flee back to uh, Primus Galud. In Primus Galud, he fires upon Sadao's meditation sphere, interrupting the Dark Lord's actions. It is then revealed that the Sith forces have been largely illusory, a product of Sadao's intense skills in the Dark Side and Sith sorcery. Um, the sorcery can kill due to the power of the mind, and the Sith had many real forces, but with the concentration shaken, the deception is revealed, the illusions disappear, and so the actual non-illusion fighting force is revealed to be a small, a much smaller core, and the Republic rout the Sith at Coruscant. Um, this allows the Republic Navy to reinforce the Coruscant forces and counter at Karek and Thokos. So at at Kirik, the POWs who had been forced into prison labor for rebelling against Tita and where Jory was imprisoned earlier are fighting for their freedom because uh, apparently you uh, – if you don't want to be ruled <laughs> in Star Wars, uh, you get sent to hard labor and the Jedi are okay with this. Again, you know, this is uh, part of – how um you know we could do entire uh, entire episodes entire segments and and maybe we will on you know uh the problems with the jedi and uh, reinforcing the republic's ideas of you know uh tita is is really uh you know a warlord who has taken over this sector she she doesn't have any any claim to it other than the claim of of might and then uh put her political and, uh, and, uh, and, and other enemies, um, to, to, to the sword or to, uh, to work in the mines basically. And, um, and, and, and this is fine. Um, the, the battle is fierce on, on Kirik and Odiner is, is joined in battle meditation by his master Uru, uh, who is, um, if you remember, a Seligian, 
And uh, that is a being who must stay encased in ammonia because their home world has an ammonia atmosphere and they cannot survive in oxygen, nitrogen, things of that nature. This will come in, in this will come in handy in just a second. Now, even though Odin Ur and Uru have both used their battle meditation, the Sith army was massive and contained war beasts. Additionally, the Masasi warriors were not demoralized like other enemies due to their uh, strong connection to the Force. And instead of being demoralized, they simply fought to the death. They they fought harder, and it, uh, in a lot of ways, mirrored... Um, the uh, Japanese kamikaze tactics uh, of World War II um, uh, towards the end of the battle. The Masasi just threw themselves to the death. It didn't matter. And, uh, and later um, we'll see, we'll see that as well with, with ships dive bombing uh, um, Republic ships as well. Uru left Oden Ur told all of the Kirik defenders to retreat and hide and sacrificed himself by destroying his cyanogen gas enclosure, which he required to survive off of his home world. Cyanogens, uh, similar to ammonia. I said, uh, uh, yeah, I said ammonia earlier. Uh, the gas spilled out, poisoning and killing the invaders and their beast and saving the planet and its defenders. So, uh, Odiner was, Devastated, um, Uru dying in his apprentice's arms predicted that Odin Ur would then become an ancient Jedi, and Uru then became one with the Force and disappeared. Now, Luke, a question for you: Is this um, at this point have we seen um, other Jedi become one with the Force? I know, I know, like the 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 cinematic trilogy includes that, but then it's revealed in the prequel trilogy. Kind of, and then in the Clone Wars, that that's like a skill recently learned. Um, so, is this is this something that we've seen before? Um, you know, now that you mention it, I think uh, not only do I think the that this is the first instance of that in the legends continuity i think um until the uh, i i think until the i, I believe this is the first time you, uh, you see a, a named jedi killed in uh the legends continuity you know in, in the old continuity period i think that's the first time you see it now, now that I'm thinking about it, later um, in the comics that came out in, in 2012, which were set in um, 25,000 BBY, even before the Old Republic era, um, uh, you know, you, you see it then. But at this time, the, this would this would definitely – I'm almost positive – would have been the first – named Jedi you see die. So no, this, this would have been the first one and, and there was no reference to it being, you know, a learned skill or, or anything like that, that not that I'm aware of anyway. Yeah. Hey, I was, no, that's, no, that's, that's, that's interesting. That's a really good point, Kelsey. I, I hadn't even thought of that. Um, 
Sadal, realizing his defeat was at hand, pulled all his forces back to Primus Galud and agreed to Gav's uh, request to parlay. Uh, Gav wanted to to talk it out, and I guess for some reason, because he's a gullible doofus, um, believed that Sadao would agree to this. Uh, Sadao, in fact, Sadao abandoned leadership of the Sith to uh, to Gav Daragon and fled with a small band of ships from the system. When Gav realized the betrayal, he gave the hyperspace coordinates of the Sith Empire to Teta and Jory and their forces. Uh, Gav had induced Teta or yeah, had, had induced Empress Teta's forces and Jory to follow him. Uh, he had made it look like he was uh, attempting to flee, but in actuality he was just leading them to Sadao so that they could attack him. Once he realized that Sadao was fleeing back to Korriban and to the Sith empire, um, he gave them the, hyperspace coordinates to Sith space and uh, allowed them to attack. Um, However, at that point, Sadal's betrayal was incomplete because he had acted, activated a Sith super weapon because this is star Wars. And where would we be without a super weapon? However, he had disabled the hyperdrive of both his meditation sphere and one of his flagships. The weapon would cause the star in Primus Galud to go supernova, killing everyone in the system. Gav transmitted the codes, told the Republic forces to flee immediately, apologized to Jory, and died. So- and died soon after when the Republic fled. Gotcha. And so, on the other end of this, where Sadal had fled, and so he's in Sith space, and he finds a very much alive Ludo Kresh waiting to finish their score. Sadao's navy was paired further by Kresh, but uh, Kresh was killed for good when a Sith ship plowed into his, destroying both. Um, Sadao had no time to regroup as the Republic and Koros forces arrived as the first fight was ending. Sadao fought harder, um, but his already small navy was being had been nearly annihilated. Jory took a starfighter herself to avenge her brother, shooting down a few Sith fighters. Nagasadao saw his fight was lost and left again, this time going for Denari Nova, where he used Sith sorcery to pull two stars together and crush some aggressive Koros forces. Faking his death, he then retreated to Yavin 4, where he attempted to rebuild his Sith empire but ultimately perished, leaving only his spirit and attendant Sith Masasi slaves who eventually populated the moon, buried Nagasadao as god-king, and built the ziggurat-style temples we see in Rogue One and A New Hope um, over Nagasadao's ships and other sites. Um, so, canon, canon alert. Canon. Um, the temples in Rogue One and the New Hope have been confirmed in canon to retain the name Masasi and were built approximately 5,000 years before the Battle of Yavin. But that's it. That's as much as we know of old canon in new canon. 
In the aftermath, the Supreme Chancellor of the Galactic Republic named Poltimo, which is just a, you know, a really good uh, fake old Roman name, uh, ordered an invasion of the Sith Empire and, uh, and and basically drove them to extinction. He they uh, blasted Korriban into dust again, uh, destroyed Zyost and caused all but you know a few handful few thousand of uh, of Sadal, Kresh, and you know the Sith forces to flee. Naga Sadal's surviving forces, led by Shar Dakan, began using his remaining sh- starships as suicide craft, as as we said earlier, a la the Kamikaze uh, attacks in World War II. And they use these against the Galactic Galactic Republic, which staved off death for a short while, but was ultimately unsuccessful. Uh, the surviving Sith Lords and their minions fled to uh, such um, worlds that were strong in the Force, uh, the dark side of the Force, as Vizhun, Tund, Kesh, which the Lost Tribe of the Sith, which we will um, almost certainly get to next episode, and the unknown regions uh, like uh, Nathema, where Vitiate, the Eternal Emperor from the Old Republic MMO, comes into play much later. And here we come to uh, Canon Alert 5, as, can- as Kelsey was excited about the canon earlier. I will be as well. Though the Great Hyperspace War has not currently occurred in canon yet. There have been a couple of wars that fit the circumstances to a degree. While the specifics are hazy, we know of at least two separate galaxy-spanning wars that have been fought between the Jedi and the Sith, and other uh, references hint to at least two or three other wars between, between them as well. One some 6,000 uh, years BBY resulting in the occupation of Coruscant, uh, as well as the creation of both a Sith empire built upon slavery and uh, the Sith shrine on Coruscant, upon which the Jedi Temple was later built in an attempt to purify the site. And the other war much, late, uh, much more recently, uh, which, was, which brought about the downfall of the Old Republic, the Galactic Dark Ages, and eventually the triumph of the Jedi against the Sith, paving the way for Bane's rule of two and the formation of the Galactic Republic, all of which happens sometimes circa 1032 to 1000 BBY. We don't have a firm time on that or a firm date on that. We are just guessing based on the uh, timing of the prequel trilogy and the Clone Wars animated series. Uh, Now, while both of these wars occurred, uh, the references to them are indirect and oblique, uh, mostly coming coming mostly from uh, the book Tarkin and a couple of Clone Wars episodes. Uh, however, oddly enough, the the Great Hyperspace War has been, uh, you know, scare quotes portrayed in uh, in a film, though now in a non-canon way. The bas relief in Supreme Chancellor Palpatine's office, where he finally reveals his Sith allegiance to Anakin, and Anakin draws his lightsaber on him, uh, portrays a grand battle, and according to the Revenge of the Sith Visual Dictionary, 
was purported to show a, uh, a large battle from the Great Hyperspace War. Uh, now, this would make it canon, except when Disney wiped the EU, they only kept the movies and not their novelizations or their reference books. So for the time being, it's just a large art installation that portrays a large battle in his office for now. And yeah. there you go. There's your art history in Star Wars. It's one of the neat for this episode. One of the really neat things too is that um, the nice thing about it being a thing that's depicted on film is they could go back to it. They have they have a reference point they could build from. Um, and the nice, the really, I think, just sort of fascinating bit about Palpatine having this is like there's. There's a little bit in canon, right? Like that you get in the film canon of the Sith having this long legacy and this historical perspective and the Jedi also having their archives going back and always knowing that there's this great conflict. But the idea that the guy who becomes emperor himself has blueprints and knows of it and not just that he is doing an emperor because the time is weak, but also because it's happened before it puts him sort of in a context it's the he's not the first guy to figure out empire he's the guy who figured out empire this time and so um who knows what disney's going to do with with the films what they're going to do with um i wouldn't expect anything like this in say uh, episode nine or anything that would be a bit much but there's definitely room for like star wars stories about mm -hmm. palpatine or about the past there's a huge past to mine and being able to tie that in would be a really interesting thing, I think. Right. Right. No, I, I completely agree. And I mean, uh, this is something that, that I, I remember from, um, from years, from years ago, um, after, uh, Revenge of the Sith came out and, and, and I thought it was, it was like a neat little inclusion because, um, I like the, the tales of the Jedi comics for a long time. Um, and you know, I, you, you might be inclined to say, well, you know, that they might not, Disney might not revisit something like this. Uh, but, um, and, and again, you know, we'll get, we'll get into this a lot more when we get to XR Coon in a little, uh, you know, in a few episodes. Uh, but, um, Origin, the original art for uh, Dryden Voss's office in the solo movie had a his desk um, contained a shard of stone or rock that uh, was uh, originally came from from Exar Kun's uh, temple or um, uh, from from one of Exar Kun's um, uh, artifacts and it would have um if the art had been confirmed in that way it would have confirmed Kun by name in the canon but uh they 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 went in a different um they went in a different direction with the um with that naming and, and obviously it would have just been in a visual dictionary and, and, you know, interesting to people like, you know, to me and Kelsey and, you know, obviously people who would listen to a podcast like this, but, um, at the same time, it, it does show that, that they are thinking about things like this because, you know, 
Exar Kun is is a character who specifically comes from uh, the old Republic, and and I mean obviously his his spirit um, was used in, uh, in in the New Republic, New Jedi Order stories as well. But you know, making that canon would be. Um, what would be interesting and shows they've been thinking about it. Now that reference also comes from the art of solo book, which just shows you how they came up with the art. So that is not Canon currently. Um, even though if you look online for stuff like that, you will see stuff that says XR Kun is now Canon, but according to, excuse me, according to Disney, even in, uh, the foreword and and info about the book. They say, you know, it's not canon unless it appears in the movie or these other reference books. This is just a background filler information for the for the story and the art, basically. <laughs> and and about Palpatine, I mean, you're absolutely right. It it shows how he, you know, once again, uh, you know, basically just he 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 fooled the Jedi. He you know he had this plan the whole way and. They, they didn't see it. He had these statues um, in his office, and that's where he kept his lightsabers, and they had no idea, and they just, they couldn't, you know, they, they couldn't see it because they believed that they had this, um, uh, they, they had this, uh, this hold on the force, and that they would know if, if the Sith were coming back, and, and all the while that they were working with them. They were making them stronger without even knowing it. So, oh, you so, know yeah. what they say: those who don't study history, those who don't study history, are doomed to get killed by the Sith. And a surprising and convoluted plot. Exactly. Um, so, thank you all for listening <laughs> to a people's history of the Old Republic. Next time, we're going to take a look at a bunch of background filler material for the Ibaloth storyline. We'll see another large time jump. And we'll begin the original run of Tales of the Jedi, featuring Ulik Keldroma and Nomi Sunrider. Don't forget to rate, comment, and subscribe to Fotor on Apple, Google, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter at FotorPod or email us at FotorPodcast at gmail.com. Send us questions and comments and we will answer them with far too much depth and sincerity. I'm at AthertonKD on Twitter. And I'm at LucasAmazing on Twitter. Thank you again for listening, and may the Force be with you.